So hi, everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And apparently we have a ghost in here with us today, too. We have a spe- That's our first guest. That's not a cat. <laughs> We're here today to talk to you about some things that we should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we talk about stupid ideas we have to watch all of the Hallmark Lacey Chabert movies. Yes, that is our plan. We are planning on also putting them up, our our thoughts on them up on our blog on onthetestpod.com. It was going to be 12 Days of Shabermas, but it turns out there are actually not 12 Lacey Chabert Christmas movies on Hallmark yet. And also, we tried to get the Hallmark streaming service. We went to the free trial. Which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. They don't have any of them. Like, no. None of the movies. The Hallmark movie streaming service has very few of the Hallmark movies. Yeah. That was such a bummer, but we ended up getting uh, Philo, which is like a or TV is it Philo? I don't know. P-H-I-L-O. So if they want to sponsor us, they're welcome to because Philo. we like them so far. Philo. But they are Philo. kind of a cable light service and they have Doctor Who, so I'm very excited about that. They also have the Game Show Network. I've been watching the Food Network today, too. So I'm back onto Man vs. Food and I'm very excited about this in general. I know we've been we like we cut the cable a while ago. Now we've actually got something similar. Every few months we talk about getting cable again because I like my BBC America and I like my ghost shows and my cooking shows, stuff that you can't get on local channels. One of the things I don't like about these streaming services, though, is that they don't have local channels. We've got an antenna for local channels. But we can't DVR them. No, we can't. And I really need to be able to DVR things like Jeopardy so I can watch it over and over. Oh, Jeopardy. Yeah, we love Jeopardy. We watched it when it was on Netflix, or I think it's still on Netflix, but yeah. we watched all of it. Yeah, it's we like Jeopardy more than like all, all the other ones, because we tried to watch, like, Are You Smarter Than a Fourth Grader? Fifth Grader. Fifth Grader, whatever. And we realized- We're not ask, smarter than Fifth Graders. We are, and they only ask, like, three questions. We don't need to watch Jeopardy so we get constant trivia. There was one that we liked, too, that it was, like, numbers, and you had to guess if it was higher or lower. Mm-hmm. I think it was hosted by Turk from Scrubs. Yes. Donald Faison. He's such a good host. I love him, and I was, I'm so bummed that it's not on the air anymore. He has a different one now, I think. He was born to be a game show host. He Some was. people just are. Like, Joey Fatone, also born to be a game show host. He'd but I think a great game show host. He had one for a while, but I think it got canceled, too. Oh. There are just so many game shows and so few work, you know? Whatever happened to that Netflix one where it was stay awake for 24 hours counting these quarters? Oh my, that one was so fun. I would have killed at that game. She loves to count. She hates sleeping. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the only problem is they test your eye-hand coordination, which you have. I do. You do? You do, do you have any <laughs> eye-hand coordination? I do not. I yeah. have very poor fine motor skills, but I think they get better when I haven't slept in 24 hours. I think you only think they've gotten better. They couldn't have gotten worse. Uh, yeah. And other people, though, other people don't have the advantage I have of being used to being on no sleep and having poor hand-eye co- and eye coordination. Oh my this God. is me when I've had too much sleep. Yes. Because I've had a migraine for the last... 24 hours? 24 or more hours, and so I've been sleeping. But we wanted to get this episode out to you guys, especially because mine is a little timely. Mine is not, but you know what? I'm going to st- talk about it anyway. Are you ready to no, start? No, you don't get to talk about it. Uh, okay. This is, this is all me, this episode. Just, uh, you prob- I, I, I know what her topic is, and she probably has a full hour's worth of rage in her. Yes. So I'm going to get started with mine while we while we still have time. Okay. So are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I am at the uh, we should totally go camping stage of social distancing and isolation. Mm. And as you can tell by the noises Maddie is making, she hates everything that has to do with outside. I'm allergic to outside. 
So I decided to you know convince her that, hey, maybe we should do this. I was going to talk about a camping trip. Is it the Donner Party? No, it took place in Yellowstone National Park, or what would be the National Park, in the fall of 1870. Who gets eaten? Someone's going to get eaten. No one gets eaten. I don't believe you. There was a little like exploration called the Washburn Expedition. It was a mission to explore an area of northwestern Wyoming in what would become the Yellowstone National Park. Uh, most notably, they went to the volcanic geyser basins, and they were the people who named Old Faithful Old Faithful because it erupts roughly every 90, 74 minutes. I have no idea, but I do know that there are Yelp reviews when it doesn't re- erupt on time with people complaining about the park lying to them. I know. They really need to get it on a better timer. We waited longer than they said. Yeah. And this wasn't like the Lewis and Clark expedition. This was about, they only went about 170 miles from Helena, Montana. And half of the explorers were just wealthy businessmen from the area mm-hmm. with one experienced guide and an army escort consisting of four cavalry par- privates. One of them was the guy I'm going to talk about in this, a man named Truman Everts. Does he do the eating or is he the one who's eaten? He was a 54-year-old, unemployed tax assessor from Vermont. So he does the eating. Yes. He was appointed by Lincoln to be the tax assessor for the territories in 1864, but he got fired by Ulysses S. Grant, and he decided, well, I'm unemployed, I'm in my 50s, obviously I need to go join this you know, expedition to explore the wilderness, even though he had basically zero experience. Uh, that sounds about white. Yeah, yeah. So the expedition actually started out pretty smoothly. They were like just w- mapping the area, walking around, naming shit, because that's what you do. <laughs> and while they were mapping Yellowstone Lake, Everett's got separated from the expedition in some dense pine forests, because he got like, he just wandered off and couldn't find everybody. <laughs> this is why I'm not allowed to go to the grocery store anymore. <laughs> yes, this is... That and COVID, but mostly because of this. I remember, like, it was a trip to Target, and I was, like, pushing the cart, and I lost you. <laughs> and I was wandering around for, like, five minutes before I found her in the toy aisle, <laughs> like, playing with, like, some like, those little, like, plastic animals. She was, like, marching them around. No, I wasn't. You were. We, were. we were Christmas shopping for people. And you said, I think I have a friend whose kids would like this. And you were playing with little plastic toys. I think I was trying to find what, the right one for them. And I did, by the way. You did. She's very talented. So this Everett's wasn't worried at this time because this wasn't the first time someone had gotten lost and separated from the group on this expedition. Uh, they had all they had basically uh, all agreed to if you get separated, we're going to be meeting at this point and we'll wait for you there. It's like they're going to the mall at Christmas time. Yes. So he tried to find get his way there, but he couldn't like he couldn't quite do it. So he stopped to camp for the night and decided, you know what, he'll make to the rendezvous in the morning. But the next day, while he was trying to get there, he made a huge mistake. Going camping in the first place. He left his horse behind him so he could look ahead and like scout ahead through some brush, see if he was going the right way. But he didn't tie up his horse. So while he was away from his horse, something scared it and it ran off and he could not catch it. Horses are fast. Yeah. And his horse was holding his purse. It had all of his all of his supplies were on his horse. His matches, his food, his gun, his bedroll, all of it on this horse. You know, basically everything you need to be able to survive in the woods. All he had left were the clothes on his back, two small knives, and 
some opera glasses, which are just basically itty bitty little binoculars. Do you typically need those when you go camping? Because I'm utterly unprepared then. I mean, they're kind of useful if you're exploring, I guess, or and you're trying to look at stuff. I mean, couldn't you just get binoculars? Yeah, but these are tiny binoculars. Yeah, there are I... foldable bino- foldable binoculars that do not have jewels encrusted on them. Yes, but this was also 1870, so maybe this is just what he had. <laughs> maybe he just was underprepared. It's possible. So now he was starting to get worried. He kept trying to get back to where he thought the party was, but he just got more and more lost because he had no idea where he was and no way to figure out where he was. So he just kept thinking, oh, I'm going in the right direction, being a middle-aged white man. And he's passing gas station after gas station. Yeah. And he just kept going on, getting more and more lost. And then he started being stalked by a mountain lion. You told me no one gets eaten, and I feel like you lied to me. One night he heard a loud, shrill scream, like that of a human being in distress. And so he tried to yell back at it to whatever it was to scare it off. That didn't work. So then he scrambled up a tree and he spent the night trying to scare it off by shouting at it and throwing sticks at it. Does he know that mountain lions are just cats, which means they can climb? Yeah, it was trying to climb up the tree, but it was basically not having much luck because it was like a pine tree. Mm. So it was kind of hard to climb up because it has all the branches sticking off of it. And it was a big cat. So it was basically like walking around underneath the tree, growling at him until it eventually wandered off. And Everett tried to stay up in the tree all night, but he couldn't. So he went down the tree fully knowing that there was a mountain lion out there that was stalking him. And he thought, I'll be fine. It's not going to get me. Just like he thought, it'll be fine. My horse isn't going anywhere. He knows a lot about animals. uh, This night, he was getting hungry at this point because it had been a couple of days. And he, that night, a bird happened to land next to him in this tree and he just ate a raw bird. That poor bird. Yeah. Uh, He, this was like some of the little bit of food he found this entire time. He's in the forest. Yeah. There's food everywhere. There is. But he didn't have any means to, like, catch animals, and he didn't know what the edible plants were. He did find one thing that he could eat. There was a species of thistle called the elk thistle that he could eat the roots of. They kind of looked like, tasted like uh, parsnips or radishes. Like, basically a root vegetable. Parsnips and radishes taste very different. I'm thinking, no, turnips. Turnips. Okay. Yeah. Um. They actually ended up renaming this thistle to be the Everett thistle instead of the elk thistle after this guy. But then it started snowing. (laughs) Blizzards are not uncommon, but this was definitely an early blizzard. And he didn't have any of the survival gear he needed for being in snow. Hey, those opera glasses, you angle them the right way, you can start a fire. Yep. Well, Everett's actually ended up surviving the snow and cold by taking shelter next to some hot springs. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Which he also would use to cook his thistle roots. Okay. Which were still his only food. He also managed to severely burn himself by falling through some crust, like some crusty mud, on the hot springs. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, at this point, he did discover, like you said, he could use his opera glasses to start a fire. With Wait, the really? Yeah. See, I know more about camping than this guy, which is how I know I don't like it. He also, during this time, in another totally maddy move, managed to lose both of his, his knives. I can honestly say that in the times I have camped, I have never lost my knives. But then again, I was in Girl Scouts. We were not allowed to have knives. Yes. So he decided that he was going to make a makeshift knife using a buckle off of his vest. 
And he also, like, used a pin to make a fishing hook and some, like, string so he could try and catch some fish. In the he, hot springs? He never had luck catching fish. In the hot springs. In the hot springs. He also uh, modified his clothes as best he could to be better for the winter weather. Basically, it sounds like he just wrapped... He took off clothes and wrapped around new parts and just kept trying and trying and re- trying to repair stuff. And it just didn't work out really well for him. <sighs> then he decided, I'm going to hike out of here and get back to civilization. Now, it's also worth noting at this point... Help managed to get within about a mile of him. Mm-hmm. Then he decided, no, I'm going to try and find them again. I can do this. So he tried to march off because he could make fire now and he didn't need to be by the hot springs. So did he know help was within a mile of him? Nope. Okay. Yeah. But they figured any halfway intelligent person would go near the warm stuff. And just, they just spread out and were looking for him because they figured, okay, he's in this area, but he kept moving further and further from them. So they just couldn't find him. Uh, he decided to hike out. He thought that he just take the shortest path possible, which was over a mountain range. And that would be the best way for him to get to this valley where he knew that there were ranchers. Okay. So as the crow flies and actual distance are not the same thing. No, they are not. During this time, he did find an abandoned camp from his expedition. Uh, he didn't find any food there, just a fork and an empty yeast can. Also, his expedition had been leaving supplies, caches of supplies for him closer to where he went missing, figuring he would have stayed in the area. It's like your mom tells you, if we get separated, you stay where you are and we come find you. Yes. Yeah. But the night he found that old camp, he accidentally started a wildfire. I was about to say, I feel like fire is coming into this because of that yeast can. I don't know why. Yeah. So um, he got burned again. He actually burned off all of his hair. And he in this fire, he lost his makeshift knife. And just his little fishing hook and the ribbon that he was using for line. But did the party ever find his horse? No. Or if they did, they didn't mention it. Because the horses are not made for the woods. No. That horse is probably eaten by a bear. Maybe the horse ate a bear and now the horse is the king of this woods. Oh, you know, that's why that probably explains the strange um, horse king of the bears that still lives in Yellowstone. Exactly. Wow. I think you just unlocked. Congratulations. I think you just solved the mystery of this cryptid that was totally real. Yeah. He kept hiking on, even though he had no idea where he was going, because he figured he was going the right direction, until he reached the foot of the mountains. He was determined to climb through, but he found that they were largely impassable, with sheer cliffs, steep ravines, and just thick brush he couldn't really get through. See, I relate to this guy too much, Austin, because when I tried to drive from Colorado to Utah and got to the mountains, I got scared and turned around too. (laughs) At this point... Everts did his only smart thing because he started hallucinating a uh, doctor friend of his and his doctor friend gave him some good advice. His doctor, he knew, told him to not try and climb the mountains. There's no food. There's no shelter. You'll just die. (laughs) So he listened to his ghost doctor and went back down to try and follow the Snake River back to civilization. While he was doing this, he tried to, again, he made another improvised hook using his broken glasses and was trying to catch fish. But he had no luck catching fish. In the hot springs? No, this was in the river this time. Okay. Still couldn't catch fish. Um, One night he decided, I'm going to sleep in a bear den because it looked comfortable. Oh, God. But he was worried about bears, so he lit several large fires around his campsite. Did he light himself on fire for a third time? He did start a second wildfire. Jesus. But he did not burn himself this time. Just a large swath of forest around him. Yeah, he continued on in his direction, but the train got more and more barren, had fewer trees, and he got caught in a second blizzard. But luckily, he managed to keep his fire burning, and he didn't die in this other blizzard. And then it started to warm up again, and the snow was melting. But after, like, sliding down a hill, he lost his opera glasses, his only means of making fire. 
And he didn't notice it until he was trying to sleep for the night and realized, oh, I lost these. And he thought, ah, I bet I dropped them back at that hill. So he had to march five miles back to where he was to get his opera glasses and make a camp there. Just shortly after this, he was nearly dead when two men just happened to stumble across him. Most of his expedition had returned at this point, and they were offering a $600 reward for anyone who could find his remains in this area. Because there's no way he was alive. They so knew they, him. So they killed him to get the $600 because it, it only said remains. He had been missing for 37 days. He was about 50 miles from where he got lost and still about 70 miles from anyone who would be able to help him. Except for these two dudes who just happened to show up. Yeah, these two dudes who were sent to find him. Um, he was still burned. He was frostbitten. He was malnourished. He weighed about 50 pounds. Jeez. 37 days. How little did he weigh before? Don't. He was not a big guy, judging by the pictures I saw of him. But like, you know, it's if you're in the snow, you're burning a lot of calories just to stay warm. And if you're hiking and you're not eating anything, you're going to shed some weight. So maybe ooh, a new diet plan. Uh, get lost in a blizzard and try and hike your way out. Yeah, that was just a big news story where someone basically did that. And it's a great diet and it's very inexpensive. And you'll get media attention with your new... You can have a GoFundMe. A GoFundMe. And you'll get on the news and say, hey, look at how skinny I am. Cast me. Boom. Actor tips. <laughs> this is how Austin got famous. Yes. He also learned at this time that his expedition mates looked for him for about two weeks. And that's when he found out that they had been about a mile away from him when he decided it was time for him to hike out. His story actually became pretty popular because he published a uh, story about it in Scribner magazine called 37 Days of Peril. 37 Days of Poor Decisions. Yes. And this was... 37 Days of Peril was my primary source for all of this. Was it Was it fantastic? Was he a really good writer? He was all right. It was definitely like old timey and he was not a writer, but you know, someone must have punched it up. Um, he was also, in 1872, when they decided to make Yellowstone a national park, they offered him the position of park superintendent. Oh, God. He refused. Not because he knew nothing about running the park, but he thought the position didn't pay well enough and he didn't want it. The unemployed tax dude? Yes. Great guy. At this point, he went on to marry a much younger woman. Like, he was in his 70s and she was in her teens. Ew. And they did have a child Ew. when he was in his 70s. And they moved back to the East Coast where he died at the age of 85. Ew. Yeah. But even frostbitten, burned, starving, and exhausted, and lost in the woods, Everett still often spoke about how beautiful Yellowstone was, even when it was actively trying to kill him. Yeah. He thought it's like, this is like the most beautiful place on earth. He loved Yellowstone. He thought, this place is gorgeous. This is just beautiful nature. Is he buried at Yellowstone? No, he's not. That's too bad. Now, Everett did a lot of things wrong. Mm -hmm. If you got get lost in the woods... The U.S. Forest Service recommends you do a few things. First, before... Don't light the woods on fire. Yes. What would you do if you got lost in the woods? Just out of curiosity. Why am I in the woods? Aliens. Aliens abducted you and they dropped you off in the wrong spot and now you're lost in the woods. Well, considering aliens dropped me off, I'm pretty sure people are going to show up soon because, you know, UFOs attract people... And they've got to come out and see what's going on. So I'm good. I'm going to stay right there because eventually they'll find me. Excellent. Now, if it was just me lost in the woods, I'd be mostly confused about why I got lost in the woods because I don't go to the woods. No. 
Don't go into the woods. The woods is how you die. Yeah. This is what the U.S. Forest Service says you should do. <clears throat> First, before you even go hiking, make sure you've packed all essential supplies with you. Food, water, matches, blanket, maps, compass, all of that stuff. Opera glasses. Opera glasses. Also, tell people your plan in as much detail as possible. And you can even register your plan with the Parks Department. It's like, hey, I'm going to be hiking on this trail from this time to this time. I'm going to be... Like, again, as many details as you can. Like, I'm parking here. I plan on being back by this day. I've got this. This is the trail I'm walking on. Make sure people know where you are going to be. That way, if you do get lost, they'll know roughly where you were supposed to be, and they can search from there. See, if I'm intentionally in the woods, it's because I'm hiding. Yeah. And lastly, don't go alone. Always have someone with you. See my last point. If I'm in the woods, it's because I'm hiding. Yep. But if you do get lost, they have some, um, the first big advice is stay where you are. Don't go anywhere. If you know with absolute certainty where the trail is or a landmark or a place where you should go. Then you're not lost. Then you should hike out. Otherwise, stay put. You'll just get yourself more and more lost and harder to find. But if you do have to hike out, they make some things. Look for landmarks. Stay calm. Uh, stay on a trail if you have one. Then how are you lost if you were on a trail? You could be on the wrong trail. Then you're not. You're still not lost. You could. You just follow the trail and you'll end up unlost. Yeah. If you find a trail, stick to it. And as a last resort, follow drainage, which means follow streams and rivers downhill, downstream. Eventually, you'll get to a road or something. I actually knew that. I actually know a lot of this because I did go camping at some points in my life. I just really didn't yeah. enjoy it. And again. Stay put. Unless you are in danger staying where you are, stay put. If they've, if people have your plan and know where you are, they'll be looking for you in that area. Trying to go elsewhere means those be harder to find and further from where they think you are. So stay put. I'm not good at that. Yeah. Just stay as close as you can. Not good at that. Yeah. So yeah, that is my little thing about being lost in the woods. So how was this supposed to convince me to go camping? No, it's con it was supposed to convince me not to go camping because I realized oh. you're a lost cause. There's no way you're going camping. So I need a reminder of, oh, yeah, if Maddie goes camping, uh, she's going to have to eat a bird and eat some thistle roots. And eventually she's going to start a wildfire and it'll be bad. I have set off smoke alarms several times while boiling water. She's remarkable. Now, here's the thing. My biggest issue with camping is the weather. It's the weather. You go camping in the summer, it's going to be 10,000 degrees. You go camping in the winter, it's going to snow. You go camping spring or fall, your allergies are going nuts and it's going to rain the whole time. When am I supposed to go camping so I don't hate every second of it? Oh, uh, you go in the summer, but you go to a cooler place like Colorado or anywhere up north. And also, how are you going to keep the Girl Scout leaders from being mean to me? Guns. This is America. <laughs> Like, when my mom was the leader, it was okay. But then I switched Girl Scout troops, and they were really mean to me. Aww. Like, I I got heat exhaustion and heat stroke really easily, so I had to sit out, and they would make, like, the girls and the leaders would make fun of me. And then one time we were playing tug of war over a kiddie pool, you know, and whoever lost got pulled in. But they used one of the plastic kiddie pools and not one of the inflatable ones. The plastic ones have a sharp lip. And it went directly into a mosquito bite I had. So there's blood everywhere. And I went to the leader and I was like, okay, I need to go to the uh, nursing tent so I can get, you know, cleaned up. And she looks at me and she goes, Ugh, really? It's not that bad. There's blood in my shoe at this point. And I'm like, yeah, really? I do need to go. And she like tried to make me not go get a goddamn Band-Aid. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, when you go camping, um, I have yet to encounter a Girl Scout leader who's mean to me or an inflatable kiddie pool that cuts my legs open. It wasn't inflatable. Oh, sorry, it's a plastic one. If it was inflatable, then it could be it's my friend. Only, we only find plastic. There's only inflatable ones in the wild. The plastic ones are an invasive species. 
I mean, the inflatable ones, I feel you'd be, like, which one would be better to have if you got lost in the woods? An inflatable one or, like, a plastic one? Because the inflatable ones be more transportable, but the plastic ones are more resistant to weather. You know, I'm going to say the inflatable one because you can carry it with, you can pack it with you. Um, It'd make a, it'd be a very good for making a shelter just because you could stretch the rubber out over stuff. You could gather rainwater with it. I'm going with inflatable pool. You can also make a flag, go climb up that tree away from the mountain line, wave it around. Mm-hmm. You could use the rubber in it to make a slingshot so you could fight off the mountain lion with your slingshot or you can slingshot yourself to safety Ooh, yeah and actually you could probably like even cut it up to make like cordage to like slash stuff together yeah inflatable pool all the way okay so we've saved camping we've saved so many lives cool so um instead of like you know bringing like food or water bring that inflatable (laughs) pool with you hiking we actually have one we're good to go sweet i just did i just talk you into camping no Are you ready for questions? Sure. Okay. Will the Everts thistle be on the test? Yeah. Will his multiple forest fires be on the test? What is this test about? I don't know. <laughs> I think we. I think I've kind of lost the thread of our <laughs> podcast here. But answer me. I Will it be like... on the test? <laughs> yes, because I've decided this test is about forest safety. Will the advice of stay put be on the test? Is it coming from the Forest Service or Ghost Doctor? Ghost Doctor. No. Okay. <laughs> Assuming, okay, I just assume a Ghost Doctor is administering every test I talk about. Are All of my hypothetical tests are from this hypothetical Ghost Doctor. Then there are no tests. You have freed the children. <gasps> wow. Will his offer to be, will uh, the fact that they offered Everett's the chance to be park superintendent be on the test? No. So yeah. That was my little thing about getting lost in the woods, but doing it epically and somehow surviving despite everything. All right. So, you know, again, if this mediocre white man can survive in the woods, I think we can do it. I can barely survive Target. That's true. <laughs> Are you ready for my part? Hold on. I've got to brace myself for some rage and anger. Okay. So I had a whole episode ready to go. It was research. I was ahead of schedule. This never happens. And then a little op-ed came out in, um, oh God, the Wall Street Journal about my girl, Dr. Jill Biden, written by a white man, somehow more mediocre than the one from your story, saying that she needs to stop calling herself a doctor and even saying that her, specifically, using the title is fraudulent and comical. That is some bullshit. I read the article, so you don't have to. Oh, thank God. Uh, this dude, his name is Epstein. I don't think I wrote down his first name, but who cares? Because names are irrelevant when it comes to him, apparently. He writes it as a letter to Dr. Biden, starting it with Madam First Lady, Mrs. Biden, Jill, and then kiddo. 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 Oh, that is like an extra level of condescension. He also says he believes, not that he knows, that her doctorate is in education. Not medicine, not philosophy, not any of the other doctorates you can get. He believes that her doctorate is a doctor of education. I mean, it's a ver- that's a very simple Google search, Mr. I put it the effort in to write an, an article for the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, it is a doctor of education degree, but there's no excuse for writing I believe in a newspaper unless you're actually unsure of something. And this is three seconds of Google to verify. No, that is not true. If you're writing a review of the Book of Mormon, there's an excuse to write, I believe, without any research. But it's verifiable that that song is in the musical. But I believe... I don't remember how that song goes. You're not doing the the tune at all. (laughs) I don't want to get sued. 
He refers to her dissertation, which is called Student Retention at the Community College Level Meeting Students' Needs, as, quote, unpromising, indicating that he hasn't actually read it. Now, have I read it? No, because I looked for it. I actually looked for it. It is not available online. But I also don't work for the Wall Street Journal. I couldn't say to somebody, hey, can you get me a copy of this dissertation? which will be available through her school's library. You can get it. I can't. Or at least I can't get it as quickly as I could if I worked for the Wall Street Journal. I don't know if I could get it at all because it's a dissertation. Those are hard to get. So he could have read it. He opted against it, just like he opted to not Google what kind of doctorate she has. And then they also had to issue a correction of another easily Googleable fact about someone who received an honorary degree and from where. The the. But Correction this... was confusing. I couldn't tell which fact was wrong. Okay. Um, why are you talking? No, she. This is not an honorary degree. This is an actual oh. earned degree. Let me get into it. Let me get into it. So he was a former English professor at Northwestern University, which makes me really question his ability to grade papers. If he can't bother to research things or get facts correct, how good at was he at grading people's papers? There might be a reason he's a former professor. He did it for 30 years. Oh, God. For 30 years, this dude was allowed to teach at Northwestern with a bachelor's degree, which he finished via the mail. Now, neither of these things would actually bother me with most people. If you're good at something, you're good at it. If you, like, look at uh, Greta Thunberg, she knows everything. Yes. <laughs> and she doesn't even have, like, any degrees yet. But when you're an expert, you're an expert. This guy, based on his inability to Google and verify basic facts, doesn't come across to me as someone who should be sharing expertise in something that he's claiming to have knowledge about. I think I think Grandpa needs a little bit a little bit extra Metamucil. He's eighty three. Yeah. You're not wrong. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't bother me that somebody with a bachelor's degree is doing this. I feel like I get to get on him about it because he's judging other people for the degrees they have. An expert is an expert, but by his apparent lack of understanding of what the word doctor means or what a doctorate is, I question all of this. But he all and he taught English. He should know what the word doctor means and what the history of it is, which is what I'm going to be talking about once I'm done ranting about this guy. Okay. But he seems super salty about his doctorate being an honorary one. And he seems to be saying he always didn't like this honorary doctorate. Oh, honorary doctorates are so stupid. I don't I think they're bad. And I'm like, then why did you accept it, bro? But then he changes his tune partway through it. Like I said, English professor, really saying, well, you know, you used to have to work for something to get an honorary degree. And it doesn't mean anything anymore because they're just giving it to anybody. Again, she has an actual degree. Yeah. He seems really bothered, too, by the fact that people called him doctor, even though he had an honorary doctorate, and he never actually sounds like he corrected them. And he also seemed simultaneously proud of and ashamed of his honorary doctorate. This so, was like, this was the most rambling article I've ever read. Um, um, I would hand this back with a big note of like thesis unclear. He seems wildly offended by people, instead of using doctor, adding PhD to the end of their names when they were doing official correspondence, which, by the way, is the correct way to do official correspondence. I mean, uh, I'm thinking about different study gu uh, style guides. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the right way. And then he inexplicably comes after Dr. Jill Biden for obtaining her doctorate at the age of 55, saying she was too old by then to be intimidated by the process to begin with, which is confusing because at one point he's saying the degree is too easy to get. At one point he's saying you're too old to find it hard. He's like, is he OK? Like, did he have a stroke and someone gave him a typewriter because there's no way he knows how to use a computer? 
He goes on to say that the very idea of a doctorate is diminished by what he considers to be a lowering of standards. Apparently, people used to have to take their exams in two foreign languages, with at least one being Greek or Latin. I didn't find anything about that in my research. Maybe like, some universities he like, dealt with did that. Like, I'm guessing at, like, some weird, like, boarding school situation where, and, like, they had to run track naked and then the professors <laughs> would hit them and they were required to wear robes and then there was a Quidditch match. And then <laughs> Harry freaking Potter wins the House Cup even though Cedric Diggory actually won it. Okay. Okay. I'm done. Okay. Did you know that boys' PE classes used to have to swim naked? Yes. And Apparently let's... that's frowned upon now. <laughs> Especially when you're an adult man showing up at a high school swim class, Austin. I didn't know I didn't know school was in session. I figured everyone was still work studying from home. <laughs> So you t- but apparently you took them in Greek or Latin, which, let's be honest, aren't especially useful anymore if you had halfway decent K-12 through English teachers. I'm not saying if you take Greek or Latin, you've made a poor choice, because you do you, but you're not proving anything with those. Even if you are in the sciences, you, can, you don't need to know the entire language to understand what you're talking about with the science stuff. If you take Greek or Latin because you love it and you think you want to keep this alive, that's, that's fantastic. Take it. But I'm sorry, Greek or Latin aren't any more important than English, Spanish, French, anything. Yeah, I just took Latin so it'd be easy to figure out what the names of stuff were. It's like, oh, okay, that means roughly this. Okay. See, I just paid attention in English class. I never paid attention in English class. He also resented that people were calling the professors by their first names, despite addressing Jill that way in his opening line. Huh, I wonder if his problem isn't with doctors. I wonder if his problem is very specifically with lady doctors. Oh, we're going to get into that a little bit in a second, too. He gets really mad about those who get honorary degrees these days, which makes me think he's bitter about his own because he doesn't like the comedy stylings of Seth Meyers or Stephen Colbert, because those are two of the ones he specifically mentions. He also goes into people like Bill Cosby having honorary doctorates, which have been rescinded. But Bill Cosby also has an actual doctorate. You can be garbage and also have a doctorate. A lot of people who suck have doctorates, just like a lot of people who suck have bachelor's degrees. Dr. Henry Kissinger. (laughs) A.K.A. the genocidal madman. Dr. Phil. Dr. Oz. It's like, And I actually don't like honorary doctorates myself. I don't. Unless you've spent decades proving you're an expert in something and just haven't gotten around to getting your doctorate. In which case, give them one. That's fantastic. But if you're just a person who does a thing, you don't get an honorary doctorate. I'm looking at fucking Kanye West with this one. What? Who? No. Why? No. No. Yep. No. Yep. Dr. Kanye West. So I would agree with him, in a sense, if Dr. Jill Biden had an honorary doctorate, which she does not. She has an actual earned doctorate. He spends most of this article ranting against honorary doctorates. I think he is trying to, oh God, it's a logical fallacy where he's like, hey, honorary doctorates are bad. And I have a problem with Jill Biden. He's trying to conflate the two. He then, Very poorly, by the way. He then gets super racist, saying, quote, Political correctness has put any true honor and honorary degree may have once possessed. I wrote something weird there. But basically, he continues, if you are ever looking for a simile to to denote rarity, try, quote, rarer than a contemporary university honorary degree list not containing an African-American woman. Oh, so they cannot. What? He's he thinks that honorary degrees have been cheapened by black women being given them. 
That is what he is saying with that comment. He thinks that every school is doing it via affirmative action, not because the people who actually deserve honorary degrees or even the ones who don't are getting them because the school thinks it will look good on them in some way beyond their race and their gender. I mean, the ones he specifically calls out, Seth Green and uh, Seth Myers and Stephen Colbert, they're white men. Mm-hmm. And also, like... Weird I, how he didn't name a single well, black woman. Well, you know, th- those two are also uh, stand-ins for the liberal media elites that the right loves to hate so much. Apparently, I think it was Seth Meyers got his from Northwestern and this dude wrote an angry letter to the administration about it. Yeah, he seems like an angry letter type of guy. Well, I read some stuff about how he uh, his students interpreted him. It's exactly like you'd imagine. Sexist, racist, spends the whole day yelling at his students, only calls on, only calls on men. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing TAs do all the real work and he just kind of sat in an office I'm sure. being bitter. I'm sure. He ends this letter with, quote, As for your Ed D, Madam First Lady, hard-earned though it may have been, please consider stowing it at least in public for now. Forget the thrill of being Dr. Jill and settle for the larger thrill of living for the next four years in the best public housing in the world as First Lady Jill Biden. Wow. So basically, hey, stop stop doing your job and being proud of shit and just be a housewife. Mm-hmm. God. At no point have I ever seen Dr. Biden throw around her degree. Even when she's talking about education, she talks about in my years in education, in my experience working with these populations, not I'm a doctor, so listen to me. I've never heard anything remotely like that from her. No. And I've never even heard her correct anybody who calls her Mrs. Biden. She doesn't seem to get mad about it. I think I've seen Joe do it a couple of times because he's proud of her. But I've never seen him be like, um, doctor, Dr. Biden. And bro, you can't call her Madam First Lady. You literally can't. She is not now, nor has she ever been First Lady. She will not be First Lady until the end of January of next year. So calling her that makes you wrong. Call her Dr. President-elect? Dr. Mrs. President? I don't know. That's like I don't think she'll be mad about being called Madam First Lady when it's correct. It is not correct as of right now. Again, I'm, again uh, I agree with Joe Biden on this. Uh, the correct the correct way to address them is doctor and president-elect Joe Biden. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the headline of the article is, is there a doctor in the White House? Not if you need an MD. First of all, there are medical doctors on the White House staff, but let's move past that. He never actually in the article mentioned anything about MDs. Really? Yeah. But based on the headline, I feel like it's pretty clear what he's trying to say is that only medical doctors are real doctors. So obviously a billion rebuttals have been written since he published this nonsense. And the general feeling is that he's sexist and is just showing the true colors of academia, science, and so forth. That women shouldn't be allowed to be doctors and they don't deserve a seat at the table. This is actually incredibly common in academia and the sciences. You've seen it. Yes. Like, it's insane. Some of these articles do bring in the history of the word and what it takes to get one, which is all going to be my focus today. And they also bring up the discomfort that some people with doctorates who aren't medical doctors feel when figuring out what they want to be called. A lot of people with doctorates refuse to be called doctor because of articles like this one, even though most people in the medical field don't give a fuck what you call yourself if you have a doctorate. The only time I've seen any argument from within the medical field is when you have a medical doctor on staff and a doctor of nursing on staff, because reasonably a nurse with a doctor of nursing can't come in and say, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so, because that can get into some questionable malpractice territory where Mm -hmm. they think they're being treated by an MD when they're being treated by an equally qualified nurse. 
And then things like the long running set of jokes on the TV show Friends. Also not helping. Yeah, I don't don't use Ross Geller as a good example of no. anything unless you want a good example of a sociopath. Yes, sociopath and a half. And I don't think a very good paleontologist. Oh, my God. Have you seen the cut of uh, Ross Geller with the my sandwich, but they could have took out the laugh track? No. Apparently, uh, Joaquin Phoenix used it as his like inspiration for the way he played the Joker. That wouldn't surprise me. Ross Geller is terrifying. It's been yeah. a while since Ross has come up on our show. I know. He was like a common a common thing we talked about early on when it's we like, were talking about sexist pieces of crap. I'm glad he's back. Just Ross. We bring back, remember Ross and Tiger King and uh, Love at First Sight? Love is blind. Love is blind. Whatever. But, but, what if Jessica was not 34 and Mark was not 24. Are you it saying been Mark a was a child? <laughs> We're doing, looking at a totally different show. Yeah. Like, imagine if Jessica was like 40 and Mark was 30. Or imagine if they were both 25, but Jessica was still crazy and it became something completely different that she was freaked out about. Imagine what would happen if the SPCA got involved after seeing her giving her dog wine. I forgot about that. Uh-huh. I only remembered it today because I was shopping for stocking stuffers about about Jessica for you, and I couldn't find any. No! <laughs> well, I could, but I didn't think you wanted a $25 mug. No. So let's talk quickly about Mr. Epstein, who I would call doctor because technically his honorary doctorate allows that, but I don't want to offend him. I feel like he has expressed through this article that he does not want to be called Dr. Epstein. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in, he's 83, like I said. In 1970, he wrote that gay people were cursed and an affront to our rationality, wishing he could get rid of homosexuality, uh, homosexuality entirely. Now, 1970, people can grow and change. I was like, okay, let's see how he feels now. No. Now, see, he also writes for the Washington Examiner. You know, the Washington Examiner. Oh. The alt-right newspaper that pretends the, to be the a newspaper. Al- the almost a tabloid. Mm-hmm. In 2015, he wrote that Obama and Hillary Clinton both got to where they were via affirmative action. He says that everyone who isn't a white man is playing the victim these days to get ahead, including, in his words, not mine, blacks, gays, women, American Indians, Hispanics, the obese, Vietnam veterans, illegal immigrants, the handicapped, single parents, fast food workers, the homeless, poets, and anyone else able to establish underdog bona fides. Wait, wait. He wrote this in 2015? 2015. About Vietnam veterans. Mm Mm-hmm. The ones who are on largely, like, eligible for Social Security at this point? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. (gasps) Yeah. He claims to, though, quote, be pleased with the tolerance for homosexuality that has widened in America and elsewhere, and that in some respects, my own aesthetic sensibility favors much homosexual artistic production, Cavafy Proust Auden. Basically, the I'm not homophobic because I have gay friends argument. It's like, I'm not homophobic. I enjoy gay artists. They should just stick to art. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. So he's also saying that this demographic hasn't been victimized by people exactly like him for decades and they need to get over how they've been treated and that gay being gay is an affront to rationality, but it's okay because he likes gay writers. So he's not homophobic. You're, he just, I feel like like there's a part of his brain is disconnected, disconnected from the rest of this. There is so much just logical disconnect. I would love to see your grandpa Ralphie have a conversation with this man. I mean, Whether or not Ralphie had Alzheimer's at the time. I feel like Ralphie's conversation with this man would just be him calling him a meathead. So now that I've covered the audacity, 
Let's talk about what doctors are. According to Merriam-Webster, the word first appeared in the early 14th century and was used for theologians approved by the Catholic Church who could explain the doctrines of the institution, i.e. teachers. Doctor means teacher. In fact, the word doctor comes from docere, the Latin word meaning to teach. By the end of the 14th century, the word was used for theologians, experienced academics, and medical professionals. They indicate that can also be used as a verb, like to doctor photos, but they end with, quote, both qualified and both qualified academics and medical practitioners may rightfully claim it. So I feel like this guy, had he actually taken his, like, you know, if, he, if he'd actually learned Latin, like, you no, know, he thought doctors should have, he would have known this. If he had actually learned history, he would have known this. Okay. You want to know how old I was when I learned that doctor means teacher? How old were you? 11. Wow. Because we had a substitute teacher who was doctor something and, <laughs> okay, sixth graders, right? <laughs> I had her a lot between sixth and seventh grade. She would come in and sub and we realized very quickly that uh, she thought that we were really stupid and that we, uh, every single time we would pretend to not know why she was called doctor and make her explain it to us for the entire hour so we wouldn't have to work. That is beautiful, and life finds a way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But she had a doctor in education, so that's how I knew this. It was interesting the first time she talked about it. It was not interesting the 15th time. So Merriam-Webster is a dictionary that changes with the times. They change definitions based on how they're used. They add and remove current words. They are one of the most competent current resources on language. They tweeted this definition, um, the definition for doctor, on December 12th, when this all came out, they did no commentary on it or anything. They just posted this. Their next tweet of was the word of the day, which was flout, meaning to treat with contemptuous disregard. <laughs> Again, they didn't leave any comment, but I'm thinking not a coincidence in their choices. Also, fun fact, the day before, on December 11th, they tweeted out the word epicarachy, epicarachy. Epicharakiki, E-P-I-C-H-A-R-I-K-A-K-Y, meaning a joy for the misfortune of others. So it's not in the dictionary anymore, but I feel like we need to start using it once we learn how to pronounce it. I know. Because I... we already have schadenfreude and we need another one. And I'm feeling a whole lot of this word and schadenfreude for the backlash this guy has gotten. Yep. In the 13th century, the word physique was used for medical doctors. That's where we get physician from. In 2011, an interview with NPR Science Friday... Professor Howard Markle, a science historian, says that until and after that time, the correct word was physician when talking about a medical practitioner who was university educated and could pres prescribe medications and other treatments, as opposed to other less than then less educated medical professionals like surgeons. Because remember, surgeons were also your town barber a lot of the time. Or apothecaries who were not pharmacists like they are now. It's, you know, people who are like, take this potion and try to not die. So have you tried cocaine? <laughs> We know doctor did show up um, within a couple hundred years for this group. Shakespeare used it interchangeably with physician, for instance. But even the Bible used the word physician. I think doctor might be in there now, but it was like the biggest first famous usage of it, I believe, was a 1533 Bible. The word physician, not the word doctor. Interesting. So, I'm, so Shakespeare used the two interchangeably. Mm -hmm. Is this another thing that's Shakespeare's fault? Probably. God damn it, Shakespeare. He also invented the word bedroom. Oh. Mm -hmm. That's why you'll hear things like... Um, chamber used instead. He invented the word bedroom. He invented a lot of words and a lot of the phrases that we misuse. 
Shakespeare's. Yeah. So back to the word doctor. It originally meant, quote, holder of the highest degree in a university, one who has passed all the degrees of a faculty and is thereby empowered to teach the subjects included in it. Back in the 14th century, according to the online etymology dictionary, teaching is the key thing here. The lexicon of the Middle Ages or the lexicon des Mittelathers. I think it's German. I don't know also says it was a license to teach. The church referred to it as a licentia docende, meaning license to teach. <laughs> they realized that this was actually holding a higher prestige than bachelor's degrees, which also did exist at the time. So they kind of bumped licentia down a peg, so it'd be kind of an in-between leading to masters and doctorates, with masters and doctors both allowing people to teach now. So the licentia is what got bar- bumped down, not the doctorate. They kind of separated the two out. Kind of like how now, if you want to be a teacher, you go to teaching school, but you're not done yet. If you want to be a teacher, you still have to take the exam. That's kind of what this was. Okay. And also, this is because doctor had expanded by this time to include things who that weren't strictly teachers. It was anybody who had achieved all the levels of education that they could. So doctor stayed at the top, basically meaning, I already said that. (laughs) Guys, I'm sorry. Like I said, I had a migraine. And in the beginning, doctoral degrees were, in the beginning, doctoral degrees as we know them were for theology, medicine, and law. The Doctor of Divinity, or DD, was the most common, but as time has gone on, the fields have branched out beyond these. We've uh, garnered a whole bunch of different ones. And the DD still exists, but it's pretty rare. Like, you basically have to be a minister or similar. Um, Back then, too, doctors had to be middle-aged, not young like they can be now, or even older, meaning Epstein's ridicule of Dr. Biden is beyond nonsensical if you're looking at the classical definition at which you had to be middle-aged. Well, obviously, his his view of history is only, well, times when I was alive. With his weird little idea. As I get into it more, I'm going to posit that he's 183 and not 83. Okay. Are you saying he's got some sort of weird, like... uh, Maybe he's the doctor. No, I can't do that to... I can't do that to Jody. She is way too wonderful. Jody Whitaker, guys. We are getting caught up on Doctor Who and Philo has BBC America, so I'm going to go back and rewatch the old ones. David Tennant. Oh, this is my question that I posited to him the other day. When you think of the doctor from Doctor Who with no other context, but he just says, the doctor, who do you think of? Who is the one that pops into your head? David Tennant for me. Me too. And so I'm wondering if it's the first doctor you ever saw or if it's your favorite doctor that pops into your head. The first one I saw was Eccleston. The first one I saw was David Tennant. Yeah. But for me, it's like, he was my favorite. He was just like the best episodes. He was so good. See, I had these two shitty roommates at the time who were watching Doctor Who all the time. And so I avoided it because, you know, shitty roommates, you don't want to have to enjoy what they enjoy. But then I walked by and I saw David Tennant and I said, who's that guy? He's really cute. My roommates were like, oh, this is Doctor Who. That's David Tennant. So I sat down and watched it. And then I started back over with Christopher Eccleston, who I loved. I thought he was fantastic. I know a lot of people don't like him because his doctor was really dark and tough, but I thought he was great. And then there was David Tennant, who was beautiful and perfect. And you should watch him in everything he's ever in. I liked Matt Smith. It took me a long time to get on board because I loved David Tennant so much. I don't blame the next doctor whose name I can't remember. Peter Capaldi. I don't blame him for how that went. It's that was mostly writing. Yeah. But now we're back on track with Jody. Yep. So there's my little side rant about Doctor Who. The top our top of our Christmas tree is one of the Weeping Angels. Yep. And our cats broke broke my TARDIS today. No! That's what was broken. The ornament that you looked at that was broken was my TARDIS. That was broken? Yes. It didn't look broken. The corner's broken off. Oh. Yeah. I need you to fix it later. Okay. Your cats did it, not mine. 
They're oh, they're only my cats when they're bad. Uh huh. Okay, so I was at Doctor Biden being middle aged and therefore appropriate for her to get it. So the Doctor Philosophy or PhD came about after the DD to recognize those who had shown expertise in philosophy, which at the time meant pursuing knowledge, not ideas and recommendations for how other people should live. Philosophy was a basic general knowledge thing. Whatever field you were interested in, you can get a doctor of philosophy. It became like a widely known thing in the 1800s at Friedrich Wilhelm University in Berlin, and it indicated somebody had pursued original research in the sciences or the humanities. Then we have to look at Epstein's argument that it is too easy to get a doctorate now. Well, in Europe for a while, the uh, doctor was a title for all degree holders. Didn't matter what level it was, you were a doctor. It still is in some places, um, and it is also the title officially used for lawyers in parts of South America and Macau. They can actually be called doctor. Here in the United States, they technically can, but can't. It's actually a really big debate. This is the other area where it's a debate, because doctor can be confusing when you're a lawyer, especially if you're doing any kind of law that involves science or medicine in it. So if you're a criminal lawyer and your client or the opposing client, opposing counsel's client, is involved with a case that involves forensic evidence, anything like that, and you're like, hello, I'm Dr. Smith, they'll be like, oh, he's an expert in medicine, yes. So they aren't typically called doctor. I think that if you have a doctorate in the study of law as opposed to law, you can probably get away with doctor. And I also kind of wonder how he feels about the fact that lawyers have doctorates. Juris doctors are professional doctorates. Does it bother him? Should, oh, they, should they have to be just called jurists? Uh, probably not, no. You think it's because most doctors are male, but most teachers are female? Maybe. Hmm. So I wonder, like I said, if this dude isn't 83, but closer to 183. Because in the middle 1800s, it was normal to drop the title in the UK because too many people were adopting it to practice medicine without any training. And it wasn't protected by law at the time. Instead, they added the letters to the end of their titles, which also seems to piss him off. And interestingly, they did it specifically because they didn't want doctors of any kind, medicine or otherwise, to be classed with people who didn't have doctorates or pretended to. You know, those with honorary doctorates and, and whatnot. Epstein. This behavior continues to today, as Epstein noted in his piece, though the term doctor is used when speaking to people because if you have a doctorate of any kind, doctor is the appropriate way to address somebody. So when you're talking to a doctor with a PhD, it is appropriate to call them Dr. Smith in writing or in speech. When you're writing about them, it's Bob Smith, comma, PhD. Now, later on in the writing, it depends on the style you're using. If you just refer to them as Smith after that or Dr. Smith, depends on the style. Uh, but it, it gets very confusing because you are not supposed to use Dr. Smith PhD in writing. The whole thing is very confusing. But yeah, it's worth noting that a lot of physicians are called doctor today when they're not doctors. What? Physicians are not doctors necessarily. I see a nurse practitioner as my general practitioner. And when I say I have an appointment with her, what do I say? Doctor. I have a doctor's appointment. Yeah. I don't say I have a nurse practitioner appointment. Not because there's anything wrong with being a nurse practitioner or seeing one, because actually their education amount of time is not that different from the amount of time a doctor of medicine is in school. The focus is what's the big difference. Uh, nurse practitioners focus on patient care. Medical doctors focus on disease care. That is the primary difference. And also, you know, the amount of money they have to spend. The difference in time, I think, is like a year and a half-ish. I'd have to look it up to double check. So I don't say it. it's just the common way you phrase things. It's also common people to just assume, I'd imagine, that someone is a doctor 
Though I bet they'd get corrected if they're in a practice setting when they call somebody a doctor just to avoid the malpractices I mentioned earlier. And just like with this dude, they assume uh, Epstein, they assume he's a doctor. So they call him doctor, even though he doesn't want to be called doctor, even though he really is mad about his doctorate not meaning as much. Dude, pick a lane. A lane. I know you'd never pick E lane. I, oh, no. Uh, pick a lane. Uh, it sounds like with his age, he's just swerving back and forth between all the lanes with the turn signal on. <laughs> So this was actually officially recognized by the Royal College of Practitioners in 1838 as a way to honor all medical practitioners, regardless of education, who could operate on the same level of treatment. So historically, doctors of medicine have been less educated and less trained than doctors of education, philosophy, etc. I'm not saying that's the case today. I'm talking about in historical terms. Though I'll say, you rarely hear people pretending to have PhDs this day. You hear about people pretending to have MDs all the time. Either there's like that 17-year-old in Florida who just put on a jacket and pretended to be a doctor. Yes. Dr. Love, I think was his name. Or like here recently, we had that dude who lost his medical license and therefore could no longer be called doctor illegally performing autopsies. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That was gross. So back to my belief that he may be 183. In 1858, the Medical Act in the UK made it illegal to use doctor if you weren't qualified in medicine, but it also made things confusing because the title was used by the colleges of physicians for anyone they gave a license to. They fixed that, though, by changing it to you couldn't say you were a doctor of medicine without being one. They also brought into light the issue that people could come to the UK with a PhD and confuse people further. And like Dr. Mr. Epstein... They said it was a five shilling degree of uh, less value or validity than medical doctorates, hence him being an 183 year old British man. This is the 1800s, not the 1900s, not the 2000s. But at this time, there was also a vocal group of doctors of medicine uh, or group saying doctors of medicine shouldn't be allowed to use it because doctor doesn't mean medicine. Other people should be the ones using it and they should use the word physician in medicine because doctor means teacher or highest level of academic training not able to practice medicine shakespeare's fault all shakespeare's fault after a long back and forth in the uk they decided you need to hold a doctor of medicine to use the word doctor when you are a medical practitioner and other people could also use it as well as long as they pretend to be a medical practitioner in the u.s the medical profession also didn't really get regulated until the late 1800s again to prevent people from pretending to be medical doctors when they weren't Nobody is pretending to have a PhD. If they have a PhD, they worked for it. If they have an EdD, they worked for it. What about Dr. Pepper? We never clarified what kind of doctorate he has. Yeah. Dr. Pepper, what kind of doctorate does he have? Get back to us on that. In 1913, it was determined that in terms of etiquette, medical doctors actually shouldn't be called doctor. So, um, but they should be called MD. So not Dr. So-and-so, but so-and-so MD. While those with other doctorates should be addressed as doctor. But in speech, still anybody could. So that's why it's Doogie Hauser MD, not Dr. Doogie Hauser. Well, this is actually like a complete reversal of what we have now, which now it's, you know, Dr. Smith, meaning medical doctor inherently, and then Smith, PhD. They flipped this since 1913, but they both get to be called doctor in speech, always have, always will. Then the title got expanded in the 1920s to include Doctor of the Chiropractic, which only took two to three years of total education to earn at the time. Ooh. Up through a PhD, all of them called doctor. It was also used by those without doctoral degrees all over again. Yay. In the 1940s, they began to realize the amount of people using it was getting out of hand. This is about 15 years, 10 to 15 years before Epstein got his bachelor's. So this is what he grew up in. 
using doctor for those with PhDs was brought into question again because of how many people had this PhD, as it was easier to get then than it is to get now. Epstein. (laughs) University professors, in fact, began going by professor even if they had their doctorates, because it was so easy to get your doctorate in the 1940s compared to now, when it is much harder. In the 1960s, which is about five to ten years after Epstein got his bachelor's, there was just widespread confusion about who gets to be called doctor at all. PhDs were called Mr. Socially and Doctor by each other. And I think this is interesting. They were called Mr. or by their first name by the administrators at the schools at which they worked while they and their students called them doctor. So there's a certain level of disrespect that comes with being called doctor when you have a PhD. And I kind of wonder if that's what he's looking at. What's ironic here is that this dude has made a lot of sexist comments in writing, like women are playing the victim and Hillary Clinton got here through affirmative action and shit like that. He's actually echoing what the League of Women Voters said in 1965 with his argument about doctorates. They said PhDs should be called Mr. and medical doctors should be called doctors. This was the first time this was ever really said, and this sexist dude is agreeing with them. So the League of Women Voters is where his idea really comes from. (laughs) This caused an uproar, not among PhDs in poetry, because he hates poets, but scientists, you know people who are similar to doctors and just don't cut people open, as they tend to have non-medical doctorates, but they wanted to be called doctor. And the reason that the League of Women Voters gave is that, well, we thought they'd be embarrassed by having just a PhD and not a doctorate. They're like, why the fuck would we be embarrassed by this thing that we worked for 12 years to get? I'm a particle physicist. This is cool as shit. But then in 1970, things switched again with there being more doctors, doctorates being awarded than ever before. And people think they were discount doctorates because they were easier to get than they are now. And of course, we know how it's used for the most part when speaking conversationally, you call someone doctor if they have a doctorate and they want to be called by that. In writing, particularly in journalism, they're referred to by their initials after their names. At least the first time they mentioned the article, I already talked about all this. And this is one of the things that people don't really mention. If you have a doctorate, you don't have to go by doctor. You can choose. Like if somebody has a doctorate and they're like, hey, call me, call me Bob. Call him Bob. And that seems to be one of the things that really offended him in the few doctoral dissertation sessions he sat in on, that the professors and students addressed each other by first name. He found that incredibly offensive and that nobody who does that deserves a doctorate. What a tool. Mm -hmm. Now, I've had a lot of professors. I have a master's degree. In all of my years of education, two professors said we need to call them doctor. Two. And I... Some of them didn't have doctors, but most of them did. One was a dude who would be about Epstein's age, but he was cool as shit. The other one would have been best friends with Epstein. I walked out of his classroom at one point because this psychology professor said that the only reason teenage girls get pregnant is to trap their man. I walked out of that class. So there are people who I'd rather not call doctor, even if they want it. But you know what? That's disrespectful as fuck. I mean, so that that professor said was also disrespectful as fuck. But it's not my place to say whether or not they get to be a doctor. So we've talked about the history of doctors. We have talked about what it means. Let's talk about what doctorates are now. Yes. Because, you know, those discount doctorates that are so easy to get still. In the U.S., we have three types of doctorates, according to the Department of Education. They are research slash scholarship, professional practice, and other. Research slash scholarship is typically a Ph.D. or similar type of degree requiring advanced work beyond a master's, including a dissertation with original research or an original project. The professional practice covers lawyers, physicians, and then the others 
uh, basically is whatever a school decides to award a doctorate in. There are dozens upon dozens upon dozens of individual doctorates that have been recently available or are currently available in addition to PhD, MD, and EdD, such as research ones in criminology or forestry or medical science. Not medicine, medical science. I wonder if he thinks that those with PhDs in medical science deserve to be called doctors. In the same broad category of these medical doctors, we have doctors of social work, doctors of music. I don't know why doctor of music is professional one, but I also don't understand what you do with it afterwards, because I would have assumed it was academic. There's no better or worse. I just would have assumed it was academic. Yeah. I guess, like, I don't get it. Because, like, you can be a, you don't really need a doctor to be a composer. I don't know. I don't know. Like, either way, you do you, get your doctorate. I'm just, I don't know why it's professional. I guess you don't really have to research for it. I guess you just write your original composition. Although, why wouldn't that be an original project? Again, it might even be in music performance, which you're not even composing stuff. Mm, It's true. Maybe that's why. It's because there's no no real research. It's like, ah, I've discovered a new note. (laughs) Hey, it's out there. We're all we're all gonna find that note one day. It's, it's like you thought there was a you thought there was you know high E over middle C. No, this is high F over middle C. Are you making shit up? Or are you actually remembering this from when you were a musician? I'm mostly making. Shit up. <laughs> um, the really confusing one is the doctor of nursing, which is also in the professional practice, and I've talked about that already being kind of debated. Not because it's not professional, because who, who if you get to use it or not in that field. Now let's talk about how easy it is to get those doctorates. A doctor of education, which Dr. Biden has, typically requires you to have already earned a bachelor's and a master's, and meaning you've already been in college if attending for full time for about six years. Then you go on to your doctorate. If you totally quit your job and focus all your time on your doctorate, which does not happen in doctor of education programs, almost ever, unless you're in a very specific program, which I will talk about in a second, you're looking at two to three years. So you're looking at an additional four to seven years in school in most cases because you have to attend part time. So you're looking at a grand total of 10 to 13 years for your doctor of education degree between bachelor's and the end of your program. Now, I was actually uh, contacted by a school about getting my doctor of education degree. And they were like, okay, if we accept you into our program, you have to not hold any other job. You have to live in the area. And then at the end of your two years of study, which would be full time and fucking intense, we get to send you anywhere in the country that we feel like sending you to do a residency just as if you were an MD. And that's actually not uncommon with EDDs, depending like this was a, a doctor of education in urban education leadership, I think, or something like that. And so a lot of doctor of educations and even doctors of philosophy have to do residencies like medical doctor programs do. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Now, when we're looking at a PhD, unlike a doctor of education, you don't typically need a master's degree. So you're going straight from bachelor's to doctorate. You've spent four years in school before you go on to your PhD. And you can also get a combined master's and doctorate, in which gives you both degrees. It's very complicated. So you've spent four years in school. You spent another five to seven years to get your PhD. So doctor of education, 10 to 13, PhD, 9 to 12. Sounds pretty easy. You know, mm-hmm. you only have to be in school until you're at least 30. Ugh. Then we have the MD, which he seems to imply is the only valid kind. You do four years of undergrad four years of medical school, and three to seven years in a residency to learn your specialty. Ten to fourteen years, about the same amount of time as a doctor of education and doctor of philosophy overall. Now, he and some others probably respond with, but medicine is harder. Sure, if you don't like medicine. Let's take somebody who wants to pursue medicine and put them in a theater program. 
And let's take a theater person and put them in a medical program. Tell me who's going to find them easier. I'm going to say the theater person because to a certain extent, you can fake it. (laughs) Until you got to cut someone open and there's blood everywhere. No, you... It's like, it just pisses me off because I hate it when people say this degree is harder to earn than that degree. No degree is harder to earn than any other degree. Now, if you're comparing apples to apples, the same degree program, like a doctor of engineering at one school versus a doctor of engineering at another school, there might be differences in rigor. But if we're talking about two completely different degree programs, like a doctor of education or a doctor of medicine, neither is inherently harder unless you have no interest in studying it or limited background in the field. So these people don't know what they're talking about. Like, Austin, if I took you, you've got your background is like science and shit and music. And I was like, Austin, you have to go get your bachelor's in musical theater performance. How easy would it be for you? Um, I would die. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I would die. Because mm-hmm. I you don't get um Maddie has a wonderful singing voice. She sounds a lot like Celine Dion and it's amazing. Ooh. I sound like if you stuffed a bagpipe full of gravel and farted into it. <laughs> or like if they said to me, Maddie, you have to go get a bachelor's degree in viola performance. It'd be real hard. Yeah. So like it, the, it's not an apples to apples comparison when you're comparing two completely different degree programs. And that is also why parents stop telling your kids they have to major in something specific just because you want them to be that. That is how you end up with burnt out, miserable, bitter adults. Now, like us. Give them a, like if they ask for your advice. Sure. But if your kid is real bad at math and hates math, maybe don't tell them to be an accountant because it's a stable job. If they're really bad at math and they hate math, they should be Donald Trump's accountant. So this whole thing sounds to me like a bitter old man who regrets not using his white male privilege the way that this woman, you know, to get what this woman got through hard work. And who knows, maybe he also thought it would be too hard. (laughs) End of segment. Oh boy, that was some anger. Good, good. Yes, anger combined with migraine inability to read. Sorry about that, guys. It's uh, she was rage migraine. She's like, it's like if we could read in the dark, we'd be fine. But we have to have lights on and shit. (laughs) So I actually forgot to write down questions. Um, Will the fact that you can be called doctor, both in terms of etiquette and in the legal sense, regardless of the kind of doctorate you have, be on the test? Yes. Will the fact that all types of doctorates. All types of typical doctorates take roughly the same amount of time to earn beyond the test. Yes. Will the fact that it's super racist to say that, you know, black women don't deserve honorary degrees beyond the test? Yeah. Will the fact that doctor initially meant teacher beyond the test? No, because the districts won't let us respect teachers. I'm just going to end it there because that's so true. Oh, I, I said a truth fact and it hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right now we've got this whole let them play bullshit happening where kids in sports have literally been allowed to play sports in person while opting out of basic school responsibilities for safety. Yeah, it's we. they've been saying the quiet part out loud where it's like, yeah, well, no, no, sports are more important than school. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. Which like at college, it's like, yeah, I guess it makes a lot of money. But like in middle school, what the fuck? Well, our... It does make a lot of money in K-12, too. It's a problem. Like, one of our area high schools recently had a donation of a legit Jumbotron. It was a donation. Absolutely. Use your donation however you want, you know? And it was a donation of a Jumbotron. So I guess you can only use that one way. 
Uh, no, that's going in my classroom. It's like, <laughs> well, the well, other get, buckle up, kids. The Bill other Rye's high schools got mad, and so they all purchased their own jumbotron, not out of stuff related to sports. They used it, I think, the maintenance budget. We're talking about high schools that have HVAC systems that are creating mold problems within the school and spreading COVID, and they got jumbotrons. So we we should really have more, you know, doctor of education's making decisions, doctors of education making decisions than politicians not of education making decisions. And oh, with when it comes to Mr. Epstein, until a couple of days ago, he was still on Northwestern's website as a professor professor emeritus, meaning basically that he is no longer working but he is still held in esteem by them. They have since issued a statement saying that they do that his statements do not represent them as a school. They used the word misogynistic and removed him from the website. Yay. Yeah. Good for Northwestern. And uh, we'll see if he gets to keep his little honorary doctorate they gave him. I think that'll be fun. Oh, that'll just make him so mad. He'll see it. Prove my point. He'll get really upset and I will drink his tears. You're going to like hunt this guy down and just drink his tears? You're going to yep. follow him around like your grandpa Ralphie did with Kovac? Yep. Your jar, it says tears on it. And he'll be like, what are you doing? You're a fellow mediocre white man. You're supposed to be on my side. It's true. I, it's like, but I am far more mediocre than you. Mediocre? Mediocre. I can't even pronounce mediocre. <laughs> That's how mediocre I am. It's that R-E, man. It gets confusing. Dang it. All right. Where can people find us? Well, apparently following Epstein around with a jar. And if they were looking for us online, they can find us on our website at onthetestpod.com, on Facebook at onthetestpod, uh, on Twitter at onthetestpod, and Instagram at onthetestpod. And you can also find us every single Tuesday on our new episodes. You give us a rating, a review. You should subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Or if your other podcast app allows you to leave reviews, please do so because we love getting reviews as long as they're nice. If you're going to give us a bad review, I mean, why did you even last this long in the episode? Why are you listening it's right like, now? You've been listening to us for what seems like 50, 60 hours by now. <laughs> hey, we're actually not going any longer than usual as Ooh. of now. Yay. And especially because you're going to get to cut out all of my coughs and all of my restarting of words. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that, especially after you were having to record late because of Captain Migraine. I know. It's okay. It's like, we'll have our episode out on time, even if it kills me. So yeah, write us reviews, but only if you plan to be nice, because we'd be nice to you. Yeah, we would be very nice to you. We are excellent friends. I mean, we don't have a whole lot of friends, but... like The two or three people that put up with us really like us. That's what they tell us. Maybe they don't. <laughs> We're also really mean and scary. Maybe they're just trying to appease us. Yes. Wow. That explains like why they're always so nice, even though I answer the door with a chainsaw screaming. And <laughs> no pants. Winnie well, the Poohing it everywhere. It's like, who wears pants? It's COVID. You pants. are at your house. I'm at home. I'm not wearing pants. You know, there are people who do that. You're like, you're coming to my house. Why should you put on pants? It's like basic politeness. Oh my god. Like at least put on a pair of booty shorts or something. So I do have my shorts that say juicy right across the ass. So there are pictures of us on our social media if you would like to imagine Austin in his booty shorts that say juicy across the ass. I will let you go do that right now. So on that note, class, class dismissed. dismissed. Juicy.